afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. You're listening to the North and South podcast. The view from both sides of the Irish border, one looking north and the other looking south in these times of great upheaval in terms of the uh, virus, in terms of Brexit. Isn't that correct, Lurk? That's indeed correct, Dick. As I was saying just before we came on air, I'm here sitting here sweltering in my bedroom stroke office, uh, 27 degrees and... Not feeling like Ireland at all. It's feeling like Iberia. So, Deck, what are we talking about today? Today, Lark, we'll mostly be talking about uh, United Ireland. Yes, indeed. So, again, as we said before, no controversy there. No, nice and simple topic. Completely uncontroversial, uncomplicated topic there. Yes. So, what I wanted to actually talk to you about first before we get into that is this idea of the Seamus Heaney poem. So, Seamus Heaney poem has the line here, whatever you say, say nothing. And that was a kind of a kind of a motto or a mantra in the North when you were growing up, wasn't it? That people were uncomfortable talking about this kind of stuff in in public, in in case they'd offend people, in case they'd... uh, in case they'd kick up a fuss, in case they'd mark themselves out as a target. I think so. Uh, you know, going further back into the formation of uh, the Northern Ireland state, which was formed for anyone who maybe is unfamiliar with this uh, topic, it was created in 1921. And next year is the 100th year of the foundation of the Northern Ireland state. Uh, and, uh, you know, Certainly, I, I feel that way that, as you're aware, Lurk, from talking uh, to me about these subjects, I'm, I'm reticent to discuss it sort of on air, give an opinion on it. And that's... Uh, because I think in he when Heaney was talking about it, I think he ref, he was referring to actually everybody in the North. No, not just Catholics. Obviously, he was from a Catholic. Oh, yeah. Oh, I agree. Yes, both... both but, but one side is the establishment, Lurk. Yeah. And they can yeah. talk about their culture and their state, where certainly I would have felt uh, when I was younger that, you know, we didn't really talk about being Irishness yeah. or you're, that's, that that's how you felt. Sure. So I suppose from a, you know, perspective, Protestant perspective, it was okay to do that because they were the establishment. Yeah. They were the majority. Mm-hmm. Uh, while if you're the minority, obviously you uh, possibly... You have to kind of conform or you have yeah, to... Yeah, that's right. But of course, uh, many people didn't conform and, and mm. uh, fought against that. Or, or more, you could say what you want, but as long as you were with your own tribe, if you were within your own exactly, group, and that's you know, listen, so. uh, that is still very much the case here. That you know, yeah. what you say in your own tribe is totally different to what you were going to say in a mixed of course, tribal yeah. gathering, shall we say? Well, so uh, let's t- t- take that idea of Protestants or Unionists being the establishment, which was certainly true for the majority of the the history of Northern Ireland. Well, there's a famous, the famous saying, a Protestant parliament for a Protestant state. Yeah. Now, in fairness to, was that Craig? That was Craig, Craig yeah. Who, yeah. He, I mean, there is evidence that he was responding to politicians in the South who had, who said, yeah. this is a Catholic state for a Catholic people in, in the South. So the demographics at the, the at the beginning of the, of the Northern Ireland state was like 60-40, wasn't it? Or 66-33 or something. It was like two-thirds Protestants. You know, it was two-thirds Unionists, the population. But now it's shifted enormously. It's pretty much 50-50 at this stage. And actually young, among younger people, it's shifted the other way. It's, it's almost 60-40 in favor of Catholics. Isn't, isn't that correct? 
Yeah. Your two major cities will be Catholic majority now. The majority of uh, primary schools kids are from the Catholic uh, community. So the the trend the trends only one way in terms of the demographics. Yeah. I, sh- I should say that one contributing factor to that is a lot of the Protestant communities young people go to England, Scotland, Wales yeah. for a university education. Yeah, the mainland, in inverted commas. Yes, the mainland, some people like to refer to yeah. as, uh, and they don't return. Yeah. Uh, so that is a contributing factor to the decline also. And, and that doesn't really happen with, with Northern Catholics going south, does it really? I mean, not to the same extent. Well, they tend to stay within Northern Ireland and go to university within, largely within uh, Northern Ireland. Or, or also, some do go, go to uh, England as well. Um, yeah. Why do you think that is? Any idea? Why is it that so many Northern Protestants go to Britain for university and don't come back and settle in Britain? And where and, and Northern Catholics stay in the North, which is actually really not and not a state designed for them. Uh, well, I suppose this, uh, you know, if you see the mainland as, as the mothership, shall we call it? It's understandable, okay. you know, you would do that and they, they stay here. No, but what I'm saying is that, that people, that Catholics in the North don't come south for they do uh, listen I I don't yeah I don't have the stats here or anything but just of a gut feeling uh, certainly I think it's increasing Lurk I would have to say Uh, but listen the bottom line now in terms of going to university is cost Mm. where for a lot of people now it is where's the cheapest place you can go yeah, well, that's a, that's an interesting point, uh, but also it's it calls to mind Paisley's exhortation to Protestants to breed for Ulster. Do you remember that in the seventies? Yes, that's right. Yeah, breed for Ulster because he realised that Catholic families were having more children than Protestant families, and that must be part of it too. I mean, that that must there must be something there that historically Catholic families are literally outbred Protestant families. I mean, I think that's rabbits, lurk like rabbits. Like rabbits, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because if you, if you look at the primary school numbers, the primary school numbers are extraordinary, or at least the school numbers. Yeah. There's like 170,000 Catholics in school in Northern Ireland and about 100,000 Protestants. So again, well, that's huge. That's 60, 40 or, or more even. Yeah, but, but you also got to look at the other end of the thing, you know, older people. So there's a majority of older people uh, from the Protestant community and is there dying off. So... You're, yeah. you're losing it at both ends, you yeah. know, as, as the population gets older, uh, they tend to be more Protestant as they're dying, while well, the new births are largely yeah. increased in terms of the uh, Catholic demographics. So from both sides of the, the age spectrum, uh, exactly. the, the stats don't look good. So what is, I mean, this is in, this is unstoppable now, you know, this is I think not so. going to go backwards. No, uh, go backwards. you're ta- 10 years, you're talking about a, a Catholic majority, maybe not a Catholic voting uh, majority, but if in 10 yeah. years. It's uh, not far away. No, it's, it's in fact, uh, I've read where possibly next year that'll be, that'll be the case. Yeah. I think this is census next year, which will be very interesting to, to see uh, what that throws up. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the question is then, what effect is that going to have on the future and the future of Northern Ireland, the future of Ireland, really? I mean, that's, it's going to, it's going to affect things. So there's no, there's no doubt. Oh, there's no, it's just a matter of when, really, and how. So, I mean, what's going to happen inevitably is you're probably going to have a, a majority of nationalists seats in Stormont for example but that doesn't matter anyway because you have to have you have to have unionist and nationalist agreement to get anything passed don't you yeah 
Well, it, it, basically the trigger is when the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland uh, decides that there's a legitimate reason to call a vote on... Yeah, a, a border poll, I think. A border poll is, is, is what it's called. Now, yeah. I think one thing we've learned for, for Brexit is that you just don't rush into that without having a little bit of thought that you actually think, yeah. what is it we're going to be having a vote on? Yeah. You need to break that down very clearly, yeah. and you also need to be very clear of what the consequences are. But that, of course, you know, would also you would expect have to be done in some sort of um, liaison with uh, use chaps down south, where yeah. you will also have to have a have a similar poll. Well, exactly, and and it's it's I think it's important to mention that this would have to be an agreement between North and South. So it's not just about the North. It's not just about a northern majority of Catholics wanting a united Ireland. The South would have to agree too, and that's going to be a bigger issue, I think, than a lot of northern northern nationalists really realize. I think, for example, well, let's just let's get on to that in a second. What about the fact that? Sorry, look, can I just yeah. intervene there one, one second here? To unionism, yeah. the very mention of border poll yeah. is like the devil's spawn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and has world. been used, uh, particularly in not the last election, but certainly the one before that by the Democratic yeah. Unionists to stir up the old enmities that the boogeyman's just round the corner. You've got to come out and back us. And of course, then Sinn Féin also will benefit from that. Yeah, well, they'll push the idea of the border poll too, because... Once the Catholic community heard the UP pushing this line, mm. happy days, if that's where you want to go. You know, it forced people into the Sinn Féin camp. Yeah, so it, the way it always happens in, in the North, one side moves one way, so the other side has to move the opposite way, like the, the kind of the balance, keep the balance going. The last election, sorry, had broke that cycle, wh- you know, whereby, you know, there's only so many times you can keep calling Wolf. Yeah. And where it's watered down, it's not as effective anymore. And I think that was the case at the last election. There has to be a majority, and there isn't. There's no majority at the moment for for, for United Ireland. No, well, I mean, I think this is the thing that Catholics are going to be a, a, a majority in the north very soon. But there's no guarantee that they're going to actually all vote for United Ireland. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you know Mal- Malachy O'Doherty. He's a journalist up there in, in the north, and he writes for the Belfast Telegraph and. He's from a nationalist, Belfast nationalist background, but he's written quite a lot on the fact that he, as a kind of from Catholic background, nationalist background, is kind of happy to stay within the union. He's he's kind of a unionist with a small U. And he says that he would have known other nationalists or other Catholics who would have the same opinion, that they they kind of know how this works now. They, They understand how the North works. They see the benefit of the NHS. They see the benefit of social services, of the subvention from Westminster. And they can, that they wouldn't want the, the disruption of a United Ireland, really. So I wonder how many Catholics are would, would see that in the North. Well, so my thoughts around that, Lark, are, are basically, the DUP, you would notice there for the previous 10 years, if you mention uh, United Ireland to them, it, first of all, they would shut down the conversation. They wouldn't engage with the uh, with the person who's interviewing them along. They'd sort of sort of brush them off and sort of laugh them. You know, you're talking about um, leprechauns here, really, aren't you? That's just yeah, never yeah. going to happen. There's no no chance of that. Uh-huh. And as it turns out, they've sort of been the Lundies, to use their terminology within their community, where they they actually 
have been the biggest contribution to increasing the likelihood of United Ireland by their support of, of Brexit, for example. Well, Maliki has said that. And take it even further back in the Northern Ireland state. If the Northern Ireland state had been set up in a fair manner, where there was equality, where there was equal opportunities for jobs, etc., this question wouldn't even exist. There could be absolutely no problems at all. But it was a Protestant state for a Protestant people. In terms of uh, voting, in terms of housing, in terms of jobs. Even look at where all the industry was created, Lurk. It was within Protestant communities to encourage the Catholic communities to emigrate. So, uh, yeah, and yes, as things have turned out now, there was no huge, great rush for United Ireland. But that's changed totally and utterly with Brexit. Well, so you think Brexit is a complete game changer? Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, even, I mean, even Malachi, so Malachi O'Dard, who I quoted there, he, I, I just read something he wrote last last year from uh, the Belfast Telegraph, and he was saying, you know, I'm, you know I, I've been happy to be in the union, but now I'm rethinking it because of Brexit. And I think that's probably the case for a lot of Catholic so more or less unionists. They're unionists in, in the sense of, you know, they were happy with the status quo. It's back to this border poll question again. What is the question? You're asking a question about United Ireland. If you ask the question differently, are you happy with the union to carry on the way it is? You might get a different answer. So, you know, just because there maybe wasn't a majority for a United Ireland doesn't mean there wasn't a majority for something else. Yeah, well, I think that's interesting. I think because what people are having to do now is look at creative solutions to the Brexit Brexit issue and how Northern Ireland are going to, is going to remain kind of within the European Union or kind of within the customs union. We're looking at creative solutions, aren't we? And that a creative solution might be something that we need to kind of sort sort this out too. You know, it's all to play for in the in the next uh, 10, 20 years. Well, I do agree with you about the DUP shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, I think they've been so incredibly dumb about this. They had won. They had won. I, I You know, the, the Good Friday Agreement settled the matter more or less. They had the union secured pretty much. I mean, as I was saying, I think there was a good number of Catholics in the North who were kind of happy with the status quo or at least... They didn't want to upset the apple cart, you know, because, you know, it would be a big disruption. And then in the DUP pushing Brexit and Brexit has just turned everything on its head. And it's just turned so many people against this, the, the whole idea of a union. It's it's just been, I think, I, I think they it'll take them a while to realize how catastrophic it's going to be. For Lurk, the, the this history is not going to judge them kindly. It's no, been a, a, a monumental political blunder by oh, yeah. uh, the DUP. I don't expect them to really be able to acknowledge that. I don't think they're really capable of admitting that. But I think it, I wonder whether they'd be capable. Maybe one or two of the, maybe one or two people in the party would would be able to acknowledge that. But I don't know. It doesn't seem to me to be in the DNA of the of the DUP to be able to to acknowledge a mistake. You you mentioned the poet Lurk. Uh, she missing it. Yeah. Uh, what did yet say? Yeah. Changed changed utterly. A terrible beauty is born. Is that what he said? In terms of talking yes, about 1916 indeed. and the, you know yeah. that their that their political act by the DUP has unleashed forces and changes that I suppose let's be honest no one thought that Brexit was going to win uh-huh. and Very I, stupid, you yeah. make the assumption that they thought the same thing it was yeah. safe to make the call they were making because it wasn't really going to happen 
they hadn't, you know, they hadn't th- th- politically uh, thought out or, or wargamed what the consequences. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you just see now that right from the beginning, the North has been an issue and the border has been an issue. And it's been inevitable that Northern Ireland would be split from, from Great Britain in one way, customs or something. There's going to be a border on the Irish Sea or something. But Northern Ireland is going to have to be treated differently. And that's the last thing the Unionists want. But let's let's talk a little bit about the South. So again, I've been trawling around the internet and it's easy to find this stuff on the internet there's there's a good there's a good thread on boards.ies which is mainly people in the south commenting on stuff and it's commenting on boards you comment on pretty much you know there's a thread for pretty much everything you can think about and there's a thread on the united ireland so some people in the south now all positions you read about all positions in the south from complete republicans who want 100 100 want a united ireland tomorrow to people who would never want it in a million years you know so I mean, the South is going to be an issue in this too. For example, I mean, one person says, imagine trying to negotiate with the Unionists. Christ on a bike. That's representative of a certain a certain opinion, a certain strand of opinion down here, which which says, you know what? We've got our own issues. There's 1.8, 1.9 million population up here. Yeah. The DUP would hold the balance of power currently in the you know in the after the current election if they say they were involved and it was United Absolutely, Ireland, yeah. they, they would hold yeah. the balance of power they would be yeah. going into into government with uh, with somebody else and you know this the trend recently in in the south of Ireland is that the it's hung parliaments hung uh-huh. doll yeah be coalitions coalitions yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, again, I think it's it's important to acknowledge that this this these opinions exist. So that's the thing. And I mean, someone else says, great in theory, but very difficult in practice. Much more trouble than it's worth. One other person says, we all, we'll all pretend to want unification for as long as it's not a real possibility. The reality is that it's never going to happen. And most of the Republic, discounting the bar stool brigade, are totally fine with that. So there's a kind of a, there's a hypocrisy in the South as well, I think, which says, yeah, you know, Yes, of course, United Ireland. I mean, this is we. Of course, we want to United Ireland. This is this goes without saying. This is part of our DNA. You know, it's we want to be re- reunited with our brothers in the north until it actually comes to a situation where it's going to happen. The, what terms springs to mind, Lurkin? Go on, tell me. Show me the money. Yeah. Show me the money is the bottom line. Who's going to pay for this future that we're going to have? So let's just look at something here, okay? Twenty eighteen, British paid thirteen billion to the EEC. That's over what they were getting back out of it. Uh, Northern Ireland cost 10 million, yeah. right? 10 billion. 10 billion, sorry, yes. It's only surely yeah. a matter of time between that the English nationalists, the English Tory party now, go, hold on a minute. We fought so hard to get out of the It was costing us 13 billion. And we're paying 10 billion to that lot over there. These Irish want to have this United Ireland. Step up and start paying for your United Ireland now, guys. Because we're, yeah. we're starting to turn the tap off. And that, that's, you know, that's one thing I talked from the last negotiations there, Lurk, where you've seen where they went back into storm with the politicians here. And there was a whole quibble after about paying for it. Yeah. And the British, and they're turning the tap off. Lurk, as they turn the tap off, you're going to have to start turning on that tap, baby. That's another game changer as well. That, yeah. that is another game changer, yeah. Oh, th- listen, well, I, I can understand if I was a Southerner. <laughs> Go on. You mean how much am I going to have to pay a month yeah, or a week yeah. extra for this year? So, for example, Germans, East Germany, cost the West Germans yeah, a, a lot of dough. They're still paying for it in their wages. 
money still yeah. coming out for the unification of Germany. And listen, it's going to cost. It's going to cost here here as well. Well, it's going to cost people, for example. And, and I mean, one of the points were, was was brought up in the north, where here, if you you can get a medical card if you're below a certain income level. But if you don't have a medical card, you're paying 50, 60 euro to go see a GP, you know? And you're not doing that in the north. You're paying for your prescriptions. You, you don't do that in the north. Uh, th- th- that just takes me back there. So I mentioned earlier about the DUP. So if they've changed to making the argument of, we've got a wonderful uh, national health service here. You don't have to pay for doctors. So they are now actively uh, making the argument, okay? So there's no longer pie in the sky or they wouldn't engage with it. They're now uh, to proactively making arguments for uh, so you know that's a that's a subtle yeah. change with no longer they can stick their head in the sand and say this is not going to happen they're, they're now actually taking it seriously well they have to look something's going to happen some sort of change so the the question is, you know, that's why I do I wouldn't get bogged down in this United Ireland thing. Okay, so three alternatives as far as I can see: is United Ireland, if some sort of federal sort of state or sort of joint authority, which is what I would expect is likely to be the the future. Okay. Is some sort of would appear to me to be the best likely future. The reality is that all of this. If you think that there's not going to be some violence with this transition in Northern Ireland, I would say that you are very much mistaken. There is going to be some sort of counter violence in terms of from the unionist community in terms of opposition to this here. Well, you're talking about loyalist paramilitaries. So if um, if just to kind of clarify, during the Troubles, we had the IRA on one side and then you had... The UVF, wasn't it? The Ulster Freedom Fighters, they call themselves. And the UDA, which is the Ulster Defence Army. Is that, did I get the acronyms right? Yeah, yeah. There's so many acronyms in the North. And they existed during the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. And, and they, they killed Catholics almost uh, often indiscriminately. They didn't, they didn't choose. They didn't try and target combatants. They just often just targeted any Catholic they could find. And so they murdered, I mean, a good number of people. So they were they were loyalist paramilitaries on the Unionist side, and they saw themselves as defending Ulster, defending the North, defending their state. So what you're saying is that they would now they they have disarmed, but they would there would be a resurgence of violence, the event of a United Ireland. Abs- oh, absolutely, but also very likely a counter yeah. violence from some sort of from the Republican movement would form as a, as a counter to that. Yeah. Now that's kind of apocalyptic, though, isn't it? Well, let's look. It's reality. It's if you think that the uh-huh. loyalism are going to sit in their hands, it's just I, I can promise you now, it's not going to happen. Oh no, no. I mean, I, I totally accept that. Yeah. Now, where, where, whether there's any hope of it achieving anything, if that's you know, if the British do want, not that they don't want, but they've no huge desire to maintain uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, you know, what are they hoping to achieve? What's like Mao's thing about, you know, the, the fish in in the sea? You know, you need the support of the people for a terrorist organisation to, uh-huh. to succeed. And will there be enough support within the community to, for it to succeed? Or will it just be... Did the, did the IRA succeed, Lurk? You know, that bled into the ground, you could make the argument and that it achieved nothing and ultimately it was a political settlement and it would be the same uh, with, you know, the loyalists doing a similar sort of campaign. I would say that just a kind of a a pure, straightforward United Ireland is pretty much impossible. I think just, you know, saying, right, we've got rid of the border, six northern counties are part of the 32-county Ireland and that's it. I, I don't see any conceivable 
possibility of that happening in the next 100 years or whatever. What you were saying is something like a federal setup or something like that. I could see that. I think a lot of a lot. I still think a lot of Northern Catholics or a good proportion of Northern Catholics wouldn't vote for a United Ireland. That in that sense, just a, a clean, straightforward, bam, thirty-two county Ireland. I think. Look, this is going to take. This is going to be done over a twenty twenty-five year period. It's not going to be a quick turn off the lights, turn on the lights, transitional. Uh, state or period this change has come and there's no doubt about that yeah well I, I can see it as, as being part of a kind of an EU settlement as you said I think that you know Northern Ireland may eventually sort of become part of a semi-detached part of the EU and that will bring it closer bring it closer to yeah just attached a little bit to it but 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 still separate and that would bring it closer to the Republic and then Britain will drift further away out into the into Brexit land I can see that happening but this clean uh, border poll where the borders just disappears and we're, we're all... It's, it's it's all to play for and this is what's going to happen over the next years is going to be discussions around what is this going to involve? Are we going to give up the National yeah. Health Service? So yeah, well, exactly. So I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think the, the question is who, who pays for it, how it works out and... What's the kind of political structure? You're saying 2025 20, years. I don't think there's any chance of t- in 2025 years that this happens. I, I think I think if it's 50 years, it's probably that exists. I mean, you have to accept that there is oh, a absolutely. proportion yeah. of people in the south for yeah. various reasons who think we can't deal with with the, the you know the two communities and the conflict and the history and the you know the trauma of Northern Ireland. We can't deal with it because we've got enough stuff to deal with ourselves. You know. But Lurkin, it, it, it's it's very much de- something that can be dealt with. It's but it's something that must be planned for, and it like you've said, it's not something that's going to be short term. It's going to something that's going no. to be planned over decades and how we go about this. For example, my pension. I've worked in Northern Ireland, so yeah. here I'm coming up to pension age. Well, not saying, but it's I can. It's in. It's in the. Uh, it's in you, my you vision, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so is United Ireland tomorrow. Who pays my pension? Oh yeah, exactly. That's only one That's of, absolute, yes. of, yeah. of 500 uh, little yeah. little issues that would have to be ironed out and it would be incredibly, enormously complex. But I do think that with a little bit of innovation and creative thinking and stuff, this is actually something that could work in the long term and that could actually be beneficial for both sides of the border. But there would have to be, it would the groundwork would have to be laid and it would have to be done over a decade, I'd say. But it can't be a Catholic state for a Catholic people. I do want to impose something on the unionist community. I, you know, why would I want to yeah. do that when I feel something was imposed on me? They have to, you know, okay, if that's not what you want, where can we meet in the middle and, and have a shared future together? Well, interestingly, I think because the South has changed so much in 40 years since the since the beginning of the troubles and so it's a it's a vastly different country I think now it's something like 15% yeah. of people are far, foreign born in the south so they yeah. have no baggage they have no history I mean the Polish people and the you know the kids of the Polish people and Africans and people from the EU and you know all of these people they've got they've got no baggage they've got no animus against the the unionists or anything like that so it's also a much more secular country it's completely it's completely transformed i think this country to the one that unionists are initially hated the idea of joining uh, priest ridden society 
that uh, yes, and, 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 in, and in fairness, it probably was. I think it was. So I think I think the the transformation of the South actually makes that transition a little more possible than it was in the past. It was impo- it would have been impossible because it, yep. it was such a, a a kind of a how did Trimble describe it in the nineties? Trimble described the South as a monocultural, monoethnic, monoreligious state. It's a growing up state lurk. You know, even in the 90s, it wasn't true. I mean, Trimble was 10 or 20 years too late with his description. I mean, he was describing an Ireland in the 70s. So now I think this is a a place that could actually manage to fold the North into itself. But it would have to change as well. You know, we would have to change. The South was going to have to change. Of course, yeah. There's going to have to be an impact of taking that big... uh, who knows? We could have a, you know, we could have us northies could be in charge of down south. Well, I mean, there's there's no doubt about I, that. Imagine that. that. And then we can just get rid of well, the whole is and have a, you well, know what I mean? Keep it for ourselves. We can fight away okay. until all entire day. You you mentioned there just you you triggered something there with me when you were talking about sort of the others will decide. You know, uh-huh. and, but that's also relevant up here. The others will decide in Northern Ireland. Like you said, the communities from other countries who are now uh, resident here, but also the others of people who, you know what, I don't want to be associated with the age-old sort of tribe that you belong to, the Catholic uh, Union thing. And that they're the ones, they're the people that that's going to be fought over, the undecided or the people that can be swayed. That's the people that will make the difference well, as I said, we were talking to my brother there in, the, in our last podcast, and he is a member of the Green Party in the North, and they're they're kind of a non-unionist, non-nationalist party. You have the Alliance Party as well, which have picked up support too. So the middle ground has kind of grown in the North too, hasn't it? And they, there are probably a lot of people who just don't really care very much about this issue of whether it's, you know, the Union or, or United Ireland. It's not the biggest issue to them, that it's, there are other more important issues. And I suppose they're they may be the people who decide decide this uh, fundamentally, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. The hope is is our youth, because people of my generation, look, you know, we have been affected by by the troubles, and we are the past. The future is some sort of uh, is going to be decided by those people, which is a positive thing. Well, you're part. You're part of the future too, though, Dex. You know, I mean, this is we are, but I'm more likely to be trapped by my past. While they're while they're less inclined to to have that baggage. So you have three kids. I think this is an yeah. important issue. Yeah. You're obviously thinking about this in terms of their future, in terms of what kind of country are they going to grow up in. Yeah, but you know, and like you said about your brother in, in the Green Party, are we quibbling around the edges while the Titanic playing the music and the uh, the piano and the Titanic while uh, the Titanic's going down because it's hit the iceberg that is a uh, environmental catastrophe? Yeah. Missing the, missing the point, really. Yeah, maybe we're we're just maybe it'll turn out that actually this is quite possible. We're just wasting our time talking about this sort of stuff, uh-huh. uh, and it'll uh-huh. boil down to more important things than just let's all try and survive. Yeah, well, that's very true. That's very possible. Okay, so Deck, I think we've really, we, we've got into it. Oh, give me your view of the future, Lark. Massively uncertain. And I think, again, I, I mentioned on another, another podcast that this the virus has shown us that you just have no 
fucking clue what's coming around the corner in terms of your personal life in terms of society in terms of the health situation i don't just mean the virus but that's just a uh, an illustration that you just you just have no idea what's how, how things are going to develop how uh what things what's going to change in in terms of the world in terms of climate change in terms of economy and society so i think the only certainty is uncertainty i think that's my and now you do have a border even though it's not a very significant border because people can cross it but you see a picture of it and you see this line just shutting off the six counties from the 26 counties and my my, I I can almost picture somebody with a, a huge eraser and just erasing that line until that line doesn't exist anymore you know what I mean so this kind of split are they gonna draw a new line look well, no, I mean, this This is what I'm saying. I, I think that that idea of just erasing that line on the, on the map and just folding the six counties into 32-county Ireland, it's too, too simple a solution for a massively complex situation. So I think what you said, something like uh, joint sovereignty or federal situation or some kind of EU solution where Northern Ireland is part of the UK but still in the EU or something... I think it's going to come down to a little bit of creative thinking, I think, in the future. And I think that we could, we, both sides of the border could really benefit from it. I think if we, if a lot of us just let, just dropped our prejudices, and, I, and I'm talking about both sides of the border and, and both communities, I think, because there's a lot of prejudices in the south towards the north, I think. I think there's a lot of people in the south who just look up the north and think, oh, Jesus, we can't be dealing with these guys, you know, which is, as you said, it's negligent. It's irresponsible. It's ignorant it's based on ignorance really and if we can get people to drop that in the south and get people in the north to drop a little bit of the the kind of the, the age-old hatreds and the and the kind of ignorance especially in the unionist community towards the south and thinking that the south is some kind of primitive desert of cultural and economic desert and and realize that you could actually form a, a pretty useful strong society if you united two parts of the the island and that you know you can do it in a way that everyone would benefit i think that's possible but it's going to take a, a lot a big change in mindset in, in both sides of the border hey, so we're going to change the anthem going to change the flag well we may have to and you know people in the south are not going to like that that's the thing you know people are going to have to deal with that we're going to have to deal with no. Making the 12th uh, a holiday, you know? What's wrong with having a little Union Jack up in the top uh, left-hand corner like the Aussies and the Kiwis? Well, I, I mean, nothing, it could come nothing to that. wrong with that, it, you know. It, it could come to that, Dick. It really could. Or a little Ulster flag in the in the top in the top corner. A red hand. A little red hand. You know, I wonder would that be acceptable to Unionists? But I can't see a Unionist. Uh, I can't see a lot of Unionists looking at the at the tricolor as their flag. At least not not in the near future. But you never know. You know, people with Brexit. Bre- Brexit changes everything. Brexit changes everything. The virus changes everything. Okay, Dick. I think we've covered a lot of ground. And we'll talk about it again, I've no doubt. we come back in a year and things will be massively different, I imagine. Well, it'll be interesting to see in 20 years when my kids stumble across a cassette of this here recording and from put the it wreckage, on. From the wreckage. Yeah, they've, of, bought, uh, they've, they've bought an antique... Uh, uh, did you say cassettes are sort of now like vinyl? They're sort of becoming a, a thing? Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of that? a hipster thing. It's a hipster thing. <laughs> 
and they and they listen back to this. Uh, it would be interesting to see what you know. I'm sure. A lot, I'm sure. I'm, you just have to think much ado about nothing. What are these guys talking about? That you, yeah, you know. I think that may be true. It's you know. I think that would be the obvious. As, you know. as we said in a different podcast. We were worrying about the wrong things. That's right. But we were asking the wrong questions. Asking the wrong questions, exactly. But anyway, it's a question for now, and it was worth it's worth uh, exploring. So we'll come back to this, no doubt, Dick. Dick we'll definitely come back to this idea and this topic. But um, the, Irish yeah, so, yes. the Irish problem. The Irish problem. <laughs> yeah, too. yeah. Or the Brit. In fact, we could almost say the British problem. Well, we are a problem for them. Yeah, that's true. How, how are they going to uh, get us offloaded? Yeah, especially when you start aren't going to pay for us. Bloody hell! Exactly. We're not giving you a cent. <laughs> <laughs> We've been, you know, pushing around the old begging bowl for you know a good last twenty, thirty years. You're going to have to teach us how to fish. Do you know what I mean? Not just give us fish. <laughs> teach us how to fish to save us from this here. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see how it goes. Because uh, I don't think we're going to have we're going to have much money to spare after the virus. That's the big thing too, isn't it? You know, th- I think that will push it further down the line actually, because the money won't be there for any of this, so the decisions will just be put into uh, the long finger. I've got ju- just got the title for this podcast deck. It's going to be "Show Me the Money." Show me the money. Okay. It's always so about that- the money, look, isn't it? Oh, uh, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. So, if you've got nothing else to add, I think I've ex- exhausted my particular perspective on this and if someone wants to comment on 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 what we've been discussing what is that email address again north and south podcast at gmail.com north and south podcast at gmail.com send us an email tell us we're completely wrong tell us how wrong we are please do please do we'd like to hear uh, comments on absolutely what people feel the future holds for us so deck thanks very much for your contribution so we'll see you soon all the best good night